Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Tracy Tudor for Female Startup Club. Dune here, your host and hype girl. On the show today, I'm chatting with Tracy Tudor. Tracy is a top real estate agent at Douglas Elliman Beverly Hills, consulting with some of the world's leading architects and developers. She is the first and only female cast member on Bravo's Million Dollar Listing LA. She is a best-selling author. Her book is called Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word. And now she adds wine brand owner to her resume. We're talking through her journey so far, the advice she has for female founders, and how to have the confidence to own any room. And by the way, if you're one of the people that left me a glowing review recently, I see you and I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that and putting the huge smile on my face. As you well know by now, reviews are a big bloody deal in the Apple Podcast app world and it helps other ears find us. So I'm super grateful. Thank you so much. Let's get into this episode. This is Tracy for Female Startup Club. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Tracy, welcome to the show. Welcome to Female Startup Club. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to talk with you today. I have obviously been reading your bio and you are a woman of many talents. You are a celebrity real estate agent. You are a reality TV star, best-selling author, and now also the founder of a new wine company. You're just all the things. How do you like to introduce yourself? What's your elevator pitch? Oh, I think you sort of nailed it. But I consider myself a veteran real estate agent of almost 22 years in Los Angeles, a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and obviously the first female cast member on Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. Love it. So cool. Where should we start? Where do you usually like to start your entrepreneurial story and your kind of beginnings? I mean, I think every entrepreneur, you know, starts much earlier than they think they do. You know, for me, I got my first taste of what it felt like to be in business and making money when I was 15 years old. And I worked in the mall, believe it or not, uh, selling men's suits. I was almost 16. (laughs) So I wasn't even technically old enough to have a job. And all of my friends did. So I went into this clothing store and I could not get a job at a female clothing store, but they had this position available selling men's suits. And I was like, what the hell do I know about men's suits? To make a long story short, I said that I was 16 years old and they hired me and I worked about two or three days a week after school for a few hours. And ultimately it was my first commission job. So I realized very quickly by my performance sort of dictated how much money I was going to make. And I liked that. I liked the feeling of the independence that I had, uh, making my own money, and that my performance was going to dictate what kind of money I was going to make in the future. So that was really my first taste of entrepreneurship and you know, really going out there and seeing what I could do, even at an early age of you know, not even 16 years old. I was an actress. I studied theater in 
college and undergrad and wanted to do exactly that. I grew up and I had training in dancing and singing. I wasn't really a very good singer, but I I did have the training. <laughs> Gave it a try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, once I graduated from USC, I was out in the thick of it in Los Angeles, hustling um, auditions and really trying to keep my head above water. And I did what most actors do. And I got a job waiting tables um, on the side. And I really did the grind. Uh, I was 21 years old and I was doing everything that I could to get, you know, the next job. Um, And then I just started to realize that I didn't really fit into any one box. You know, I wasn't the pretty girl. You know, I wasn't the funny girl. I, I just kind of was floating in between, you know, those different sort of boxes that Hollywood loves to put us in. I said, you know, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. And then I had a friend who was a successful working actress and had just booked her first big series um, through Brillstein Gray Entertainment. And I said, you know, how is it? Is it incredible? Like, you know, now that you're a working actress, which is all we ever really wanted to be, we never wanted to be famous. We just wanted to be in that field, going to work every day and creating and making money. And she said, it's just not what I imagined it to be. It's really less of the creative process on a daily basis. And it's what everybody says it has been. And that's show business. And and it just really hit me hard. And so, you know, I'm 22 years old. I've been went to college. I studied theater. The, the process growing up and sort of being in the thick of that for so long was my passion. And... I also had a passion equally to be financially independent. And I sat down with another friend of mine and said, you know, what am I going to do? And she suggested real estate. And I was like, well, I guess it's the one business where I technically don't need a degree. So I suppose I could try that. And to be honest with you, you know, I think so many people, and it's just something to touch on to jump ahead. So many young women and men, you know, struggle, even my daughter, who is, you know, almost 16 years old, is starting to think about what she wants to do with her life. And it's like, how the hell is anyone supposed to really know at the age of 16, 17, 18, or even 19, the direction and have such confidence in it? I think that's very, very rare. And the point of that is me taking this opportunity and and studying to get my real estate license was a risk. And really and truly, it was not something I was passionate about. I was passionate about acting. What I didn't realize in that moment, and at the time, I think I was about 23 years old, I didn't put together that it was really still about sales. And I was very good at selling myself. And obviously, I was good at singing suits, apparently. So, you know, a few years into the business and after joining a team and watching how it all worked, I had a you know, my first couple of big sales and I was making six figures. And I went from making, you know, $30,000 a year for the first two years to all of a sudden transitioning and making, you know, $175,000 a year. And it was a big jump. And ultimately that was when I connected the dots that it really was less about the industry that I was in. And I was becoming more passionate about real estate because who doesn't want to walk through beautiful houses and just the payoff of being able to find someone their dream home or connect a first-time buyer with a condo or a house 
and take care of them in that way. There were so many elements of it that were difficult not to like or enjoy on some level. But I think ultimately what I loved the most was that I still was able to utilize the things that I was passionate about, which was the ability to sell myself in a room. And that I think is the reason that I became successful. Now, granted, it took me 22 years to get to where I am. You know, it was no overnight success, but... (laughs) You know, when they say 10 years to overnight success, it really is true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But of course, you know, as we were talking about before we really started doing this conversation, we were talking about the idea that a lot of your audience are, you know, younger people in the beginning of, you know, their business journey or their entrepreneurship. And I think the most interesting piece about what I can offer is I don't think that many of us know where we're supposed to land or end up in terms of our success and the direction that it gets us there. I think what we have to be open to is as entrepreneurs and business starters is that we have to stay true to what we know we're good at. And you have to know your strengths and you have to know your weaknesses. And I think a lot of people tend to want to interview or discuss what their strengths are. But I think the greater power is understanding your weaknesses and how to really fix that. And that means sometimes bringing other people on. That means sharing a little bit of what what you're very good at and filling in the holes that you are not. Um, so that's a bit of my journey. I don't want to like dialogue this whole thing. And it's, <laughs> I'll stop there. Oh my God, please talk as much as you want. I love when people are like telling me all the things, but you know what I'm thinking when you're saying, you know, you started off as an actress and then you moved into real estate is actually the thing that you're still doing the same was you bring people joy. You bring people joy on screen if you're an actress, but when you're selling someone a home, you're bringing them joy. They're going to move into this place. It's exciting. It brings all these emotions and it's, there's so much similarity in that. So I can see what you're kind of um, saying around, you know, sales and that's what you're good at. But I guess actually your passion was also in bringing this joy to people in their life, which I think is really interesting. And that's what I kind of see when I was looking at your story. There's also the highs and lows, you know, there's also, I think the joy, which is definitely something that is the payoff, you know, making a client happy, finding them their home. But along the way too, there's the highs and lows of that. And that's what keeps it exciting. I mean, I, you know, I can't tell you guys how many times a month I'm like, when do I get to retire? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not easy. And there are dark, dark moments uh, along the way. And I think what keeps a lot of successful real estate agents in our business is their shorter term relationships. So some of them can be incredibly difficult to get through. And then of course, the payoff at the end of it is you never have to talk to them again. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, you know, or you do, but it, it doesn't come without its highs and lows. It's not always a joyful experience, but the joy really comes, you know, at the end, in most cases, when you get to the finish line and, you know, you take a first time buyer through the difficult journey of, you know, finding their first home and teaching them really what that process looks like and, and what it means. So, you know, it, every day is different and that keeps it exciting. 
but it also is, you know, exhausting. I bet. And you have a lot of things on the go. So I want to talk about the wine company. Where does wine come into the mix? How did you decide to start a direct-to-consumer brand? Well, I love wine. So there's that. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I had an opportunity and I had million dollar listing come to the table and want to incorporate sort of the first woman into the show that had been on for nine years and was one of the longest running shows on um, Bravo. It was, it was a, a new platform for me. And I knew that I was going to have the ability to tap into and really, you know, take over and start some new areas and new businesses that I could utilize in this platform. And I can't tell you how many different businesses and opportunities sort of came my way and I opened the door to and I kept meeting with people. And alcohol was always something. Now, it's an incredibly difficult industry to break into. The market's saturated. You have to have something incredibly special and different, I think, in order to do well. And it's about brand. I mean, if you take a look at some of the different successful launches like Casamigos, for example, they came with star power, tons of money backing them. And obviously that company had done really well. But for every one massive successful alcohol or um, launch in that area, there was 30 that failed. So when I sat down and met with my two business partners, uh, Malin Eklund and Lisa Agerman, they started talking to me about the idea. And the idea being that, you know, the brand Unsweet is a new wine idea that they had. And they said, you know, what we don't love about the United States, and they're both from Sweden, is that you, we label everything but you don't have to put labels on your wine. You don't have to tell people what's in it. You don't have to categorize it in that way, which is a benefit, I think, to most winemakers. Yeah, but also strange to the consumer. Very strange, but it's something that we're accustomed to and we haven't really asked a lot of questions about it because generally when we drink wine, we're trying to you know, avoid health and nutrition, obviously, and we're just trying to you know, have a good time and numb ourselves, right? So. I understand the nature of why it was the way it was. But when they pitched it to me, I thought, you know, transparency in everything is, I think, what people are looking for. And it's so often, particularly in the last few years, something that I think that we've struggled with. And that's when it clicked for me. I said, I want to be a part of something like that because to me, transparency is key I obviously feel strongly about health and wellness, but I also believe in enjoying myself and I do love to drink wine. But I want to be cognizant of the fact that when I put a glass and a half of wine in my body on a Wednesday night after work while I'm doing some computer stuff at home, what am I putting in my body? I don't even know. And I didn't care up until they educated me about it. And the fact that like someone like myself who is concerned about wellness who does work incredibly hard, but also likes to enjoy the fruits of her labor and, you know, loves to travel and eat great food and enjoy great wine. Like, why don't I care about this? 
So to me, I felt like what I brought to the table for Lisa and Malin was I was the piece of the puzzle where I felt like I could get that message out. And I could explain that message in a way to women that I think are looking for it and they didn't even know they wanted it. And again, that takes it back to sales, which I knew I had just innately in me. And that's why they came to me in the first place. So we formed the company Unsweet. And, you know, we launched about two months ago, just uh, a soft launch in the state of California. And we're getting ready to expand across the US. And it's a no sugar wine that, in my opinion, is the most transparent wine out there. Um, We have a white wine and a red wine, and we're going to start making more. We have a cava coming out, which is a Spanish champagne that is outrageously good. And I think that it's going to do really well. And I think it's missing from the marketplace. And it's my job to sort of help them launch the product in a way that sort of reaches women across the country and gives us the ability to access something that most of us love to do, which is enjoy wine. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I love everything that you're saying. It speaks to me as also someone who, you know, wants to be more conscious and more considered when you're putting things into your body. And, you know, we're starting to take this approach now where our beauty products, we know everything that's going on our skin or we know everything that's going in our, you know, under the kitchen sink these days. But it's funny with wine and with alcohol that these labels are missing. I'm wondering for a project like this, when you're approaching capital on a new business, are you taking the approach of investing your own money to finance the brand? Or are you someone who looks to raise capital with outside investors? And I'm just kind of wanting to understand your approach to bootstrapping versus investment. Um, For me, I'm invested in a few different companies, businesses, obviously, because I'm a little bit more in the face of unsweet. I'm more forward-facing and I'm more sweat equity than anything else. And I think it depends on where you can add value. You know, if you need to raise capital, I'm actually great at raising capital. I've done it my whole life. Um, So I take more of that approach in this particular investment. But I think it depends on the company. It depends on what you're bringing to the table. In this case, for me, they needed someone because of their understanding of the wine industry was really strictly in Europe. And they've already launched there and it's doing incredibly well in Sweden. It's the number one white wine right now. And they're getting ready to launch in a few other countries as well. But that being said, in order to launch in California, (laughs) they needed someone that understood the market, what was missing, what people want what's important to that particular consumer. So for me, that's where I fit in. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And for you with that kind of front facing um, face of the brand and bringing it into the US market, what's your kind of approach to launching it to the US? How are you going about that? What's your kind of marketing go to market strategy? So in this case, I was really keen on having a soft launch. I felt it was really important to get it right. You only have one shot to launch to the entire US. And by the way, we weren't ready. We weren't ready to launch to all of the entire US market in one full swoop. So what I understood and what I felt I brought to the table was let's slow down a little bit. Let's embrace this soft launch in California Let's trickle it out there and have a little bit of a whisper campaign. And let's see how the brand does organically in California, which we have done a very soft launch and it's selling incredibly well. I mean, I am even fearful of posting too much about it or doing too many interviews as it relates to the brand and the launch of the brand, because I feel like that's something I want to hold close to the vest until I'm ready to bring it to all of the U.S. And then we have our massive push. Um, You know, I'm not Cameron Diaz, so (laughs) I'm not Kate Hudson. You know, I don't have the same reach that those actresses do, both who have launched really successful brands, you know, King Street Vodka and Cameron has launched her Aveline Rosé wine. I think we're something different and I'm trying to treat it more as a business. And I don't think that I hold the same weight in terms of exposure to that type of clientele. So for me, it's about a mass market. I want to be able to sell 
this brand to middle America. I want it to be in all major markets. I want to see it in Walmart. I want people to have access to this wine. I think it's something that more people should be educated about when it comes to the alcohol industry. And transparency, I think, is incredibly important. We don't need to add food coloring to our wine. We don't need to have unnecessary additives on any level. It's not only not necessary, but it's fraudulent. And so the approach that we're taking is a little bit different. And in the next month, we will be opening up to the entire U.S. market. And that's when we intend to do a massive launch and uh, advertising and marketing campaign. Oh, exciting. Earlier, you were talking about how, you know, you go through ups and downs like everyone, and there can be really dark moments and, and challenges as with every every industry. And obviously, from the outside looking in, I'm sure people kind of see you and your life and be like, oh, everything must be easy and great. And this business must be so successful already, et cetera, et cetera. Are there any kind of challenges about the wine industry, you know, and and that kind of like national um, distribution that you're going to be going after that you can share for others who are perhaps entering the wine industry in particular? Uh, No, I can't because it's not specifically enough where I think it's going to give people coming into our industry any sort of leg up. And candidly, a lot of the stuff that I do know is confidential and proprietary and I have to sort of protect our brand. (laughs) But You know, what I will say is it's an incredibly difficult industry. And I have had to really educate myself about how it runs and how they do business. And really, the goal being, you know, to build the business enough to potentially sell it to a massive brand, cash out and retire on a beach somewhere in Turks and Caicos. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll be nice. I'll be totally honest with you. I am not in the business of anything other than sales. So I'm not an alcohol specialist. This is not like Malin and Lisa navigate that piece of it. I am about branding and sales. So obviously, I don't want to say anything um, on their behalf um, that they wouldn't appreciate. But I can say for people getting into this industry, it is incredibly difficult very competitive. And it's a very small, small, small club um, and difficult to break into. So you've got to have a lot of capital and you've got to have the right people on the team. And I will say advertising and marketing is the biggest piece of it. So having a budget um, in place that is big enough to manage uh, launching a brand like this is very important. Yes, absolutely. Totally get that. Gosh, so exciting. I want to switch topics again because we have more to cover. Tell me about your book. You released a book a few weeks ago or about a month ago, and it's a bestseller. Tell me about everything. Fear is just a four-letter word is the book. And this is uh, how to develop the confidence to own any room you walk into. It is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. We launched it a little longer, a little ways back, but it's been a great book. And I think for women in particular, and launching it during the pandemic was something that I was terrified of because, of course, it was my first book. And so to launch in a pandemic where I can't get out in front of people and 
like yourself and really more in person and sell it, I was terrified. It's something that I wanted to do because obviously I've been in the industry and selling real estate for at the time, 20 plus years. And I thought to myself, I have this platform. I'm on this television show. I'm the only female on this show. Yet there are, you know, 65% of people in real estate are women. And I thought, you know, there's really an opportunity here to sort of share my story and a lot of my failures and the lessons that I've learned because I wish that I had someone like me when I was in my 20s breaking into the industry because I made so many mistakes and I failed so many times. And I think that's something that a lot of 20-somethings go through. And when I initially wrote the book, I remember when I sat down with my publishers and, and they said, who do you think this book is for? Is the audience, you know... 35 to 50. And I was like, no, I think it's a younger audience. I think I do speak to women my age. Absolutely. But I think the women that need this are the same women that I was when I was, you know, getting out of USC, didn't have any direction. I mean, I went to a great school for undergrad. And then all of a sudden, I was a waitress and trying to become an actress. And I had no direction, no sense of like, how to navigate my 20s and put myself in a position to be successful and financially independent as a female and not depend on the traditional, you know, route that we were supposed to take. Yeah, you know, be married by 28, have a couple of kids, you know, quit your job because you have to be the one to stay at home, right? So I wanted to dispel that myth that I knew that it was going in another direction. And I see that women are beginning to buck the system a little bit more. So I wanted to give them sort of a Bible, if you will, to support them. And someone who obviously is 20 years their senior who isn't and hasn't taken that path or really tried that path and failed and is now saying, hey, like red flag guys, you don't have to do it this way. You can manage and keep a career, be incredibly successful, also have a husband or a wife and kids, but you don't have to give up everything as a woman. And I wanted people and women to understand that they have to be able to walk into that boardroom and compete against their male peers and understand how to navigate that. And I think most women walk into a boardroom and they wait. They wait to be asked a question. They wait and they raise their hand to speak. Because, I mean, historically, traditionally, the men were the hunter and gatherers and we were the nurturers. So that still is how we are viewed in business. And of course, that's what we're all fighting for. And this is what I talk about every day. But that's what the book is about. It's teaching young women how to have that confidence to walk into the room. And it's literally step by step um, things that you can do to prepare yourself to be successful in a male dominated industry. Can you give us a few examples of the step-by-steps that are your favorite, perhaps, from the book? Well, I always say, um, you know, before you walk into any room, you really need to do diligence on the people that you're walking into the room with. I mean, everything is about connection. It's the most important thing that you can do. I don't care how prepared you are or how much knowledge you have in the industry that you're in. If you can't connect with the person sitting across from you because you're just reciting facts and you assume that because you have the skill set that you're going to get the position, you could be far and away the most qualified person in the room. But if you ask 
or take a survey of 100 women who may have been the most qualified person in the room and ask if they actually got the position, I guarantee you it was 20% or less. And it's because men tend to know how to connect in that nature with another man sitting across from them. And as a female, you have to learn how to connect with the opposite sex. You have to utilize your, and we're taught not to. We are taught not to use our femininity and access that part of ourselves. We're taught to shut that down and be more masculine. And in the book, I talk about embracing that femininity in yourself and figuring out how to utilize it. And it's practice and it takes time and there are steps. But what you will find by the time you get to the end of the book, and if you start utilizing some of the tools that I give you, you know, maybe it's years, maybe it's months, it depends on the person. But all of a sudden that feminine piece becomes more organic and you'll start to embrace it more and more. And you'd be surprised how incredibly powerful it is when you trust that feminine instinct and gut. It's always right. Yes. Leaning into it, lean into all the good things that we have going on for us. I love it. Gosh, I'm so excited to read it. And for anyone listening, I'm going to link it in the show notes so you can order a copy directly to your door. I'm so excited for you all. What is your key piece of advice to entrepreneurs coming into 2022? I mean, get ready. I don't know what the markets are going to bring. It is a really crazy time to be doing what I'm doing. I'm grateful um, that real estate is as busy as it is right now. We're having a wonderful year. All I can do is usually in the last quarter of the year is I begin to prepare. I want to set my goals for 2022. You guys should be writing them down and you don't wait till December. Actually, the time to do it really truly is now. I'm preparing for next year. I'm setting my financial goals, my expansion goals in all facets of my real estate business. And then of course, I've got my other businesses that I'm paying attention to as well. But you need to be sitting down. You need to be figuring out if you need to expand your team. You need to be figuring out where to invest your capital so that you can expand. Because if you're not working on growing the business, then you're not going to be growing your wealth. I love that. What a great piece of advice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> that was awesome. We wrap up every episode with a series of six quick questions, some of which we might have covered, some of which we might not have, but I ask them all the same. Question number one is, what's your why? Why are you doing everything that you're doing? Because I want financial independence. I want to feel like a strong female that doesn't need to be taken care of by a man. I want to make decisions about my family, about my love life, about my friendships, because it's organic and personal to me, not because I have to lean on people for financial assistance. Yes. Love that. Ditto. (laughs) Ditto everyone listening, I'm sure. Question number two is, what has been the number one marketing moment that's made the wine brand pop so far? I know it's early days. (laughs) To be honest with you, we're not there yet. I don't think we've even scratched the surface. That's really what I've, I've said I wanted to hold back so much regarding this because it's personal to me. And I think that you only really have one shot to launch properly. And it, you know, having these conversations to me are important, sort of, like I said, having the whisper campaign. But there's a lot more to come there. And I think a big part of the advertising and marketing launch for this product is is going to be coming in the next 30 days. 
I will keep in the loop. I will be watching with excitement. Question number three, where do you hang out to get smarter? What are you reading or listening to or subscribing to that is fueling your brain right now? To be honest with you, um, when I read, I read a lot on vacation and it's purely for pleasure. But I do do a lot of podcasts and I sit on panels and what I've found actually more interesting and truly is important to me that I continue to do this is I learn from you guys as well. So when I do a podcast like this and I've done a few panels with you know women that I admire very much, I just did one for Hawk Media with uh, Tracy Holland and Shelly Gross, you know, for me... That's an honor. So listening to other females that are entrepreneurs that have had success um, in their industries is where I get inspired. And when I get inspired, it just reminds me of my, the hunger to keep going because I do want to leave a legacy behind. And, and it's not, you know, I sold a billion in real estate. For me, there's just so many more layers to what my legacy is for my girls. And so that's... um. That's where I find my inspiration now, listening to podcasts, doing them, working on different panels and just kind of supporting women in business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love that. Question number four is how do you win the day? What are your AM or PM rituals and habits that keep you feeling happy and successful and motivated? Getting my ass out of bed at 5.30 is a big piece of it. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> oh, it's today it was excruciating. Like I had a really, you know, some days are harder than others. Particularly when you work really hard all week, you're waking up and I'm putting in an hour and a half in the gym in the morning, but it's my time. I do not let it be interfered with no matter what, because at the end of the day, if I can't have an hour to myself in the morning to sort of refresh how I'm feeling, clear my head from the day before. Again, in my job, every day is different and it's such a roller coaster. One day, you know, you've got 50 million in escrow and then they back out the next day and it's like starting all over again. If I don't wake up and take some time for myself, I have my green juice always first thing in the morning. I drink celery juice, I clear my system, I have a cup of coffee and then I get out on the treadmill and I usually do between... 30 minutes to an hour. Lately, I've been doing an hour where I will listen to a podcast. It will get me motivated. And then I will push myself and train for 30 minutes to 45 minutes after that. And it's just a time that I feel is so important to get clear and centered. I wish more people would make it a part of their everyday routine because it's changed my life in the last couple of years. Yeah, so important for mental health, so important for that. I mean, physical health too, obviously, but that clarity you get from, you know, sweating, <laughs> sweating every day, having the time to think and push through. And just like push yourself physically, you know, it's so easy to wake up and hit your computer and stare at it and go, okay, I better just get started. And it's like on repeat and it's it's a grind and you tire of it. And this is something that, you know, getting up and getting there today was difficult, but I'm so glad I did it because I could sit down and have a clear head and be able to speak to you without thinking about all of the other crap that's going on. You really have to, in order for me to be focused and get in front of the people that I get in front of every day, I have to take that time for myself in the morning. Totally. And I feel like you never actually regret going to the gym afterwards. Afterwards, you always think, oh, I'm so glad I went. <laughs> 
A hundred percent. Question number five is, if you were given $1,000 of no strings attached money, where would you spend it in the business? And I know $1,000 isn't a lot of money, but it's to highlight where's your most important spend of a dollar. Uh, For me, um, at the end of the day, it's always going to be advertising and marketing. And I think capitalizing. I have an incredible staff. Um, I hired someone by the name of Andra Sandoval, who runs my marketing and social media for me and has really, really done an excellent job at sort of fine-tuning my brand and always thinking about different avenues and ways to expose it. Because I have this platform. And if I don't take advantage of it now, who knows when it will be gone. I have to build and I have to make sure that I put as much into marketing and advertising as possible. Mm -hmm. Love it. And last question, question number six is how do you deal with failure? What is your mindset and approach when things inevitably don't go to plan? Embrace it. You know, I don't think you truly know the sweetness of success. And how beautiful that is unless you failed. And I do believe in not pushing it aside and going onward. You know, I believe in sort of taking that in, understanding what the failure was about. I don't know, cry, scream. I've done it all. I've cried my face off. I've had one too many drinks with my girlfriends and bitched about, you know, why it all went down. I mean, I've really embraced failure. And then I put it away. Maybe it takes a little longer than a day. Don't put it off. My feeling is embrace the failure, own it, understand it and experience it and then move the hell on. And then it makes the success that much sweeter. That is so true. Tracy, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today and share your insights and your learnings. You are such a badass. I have loved listening to you and I'm just like, this is awesome. You're super cool. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, sweetie. And you have a great day. And thanks for having me on. Yes, you too. Nice to meet you. Bye. You too. Bye. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey! 
June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.